Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, Colorado. Welcome to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. But Terry Wickstrom will not be joining you today. Nope, I'm Chad Lachance, and I have taken over the radio show for the day. Terry's away and traveling. Uh, I know he's in a beautiful place, loaded up with lots of fish, and I expect he's having a good time. And We appreciate the opportunity to be here, and we appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys today. Thanks for tuning in. We've got a really full show today, as typical here in Colorado, and it's fall, and, and it's a time of year where we've got hunting and we've got fishing and we've got all kinds of stuff going on and that's kind of going to be reflected in the show here today guys so it's going to be a lot of fun uh we're gonna start off here this morning talking to an old friend of ours here at uh at the fan um dan swanson he's also a guide with me at fishful thing we're talking some electronics we're also going to talk with the colorado parks and wildlife guys uh, a couple different topics there we're going to talk a little bit about bears and also some options for this coming holiday weekend that we've got next weekend talk a little bit about some of the new reels that are coming out of course nathan zelinski tightline Outdoors will be calling in the second half of the show. We've got an Ask the Expert and uh, going to be talking to Colorado Clays. We've really got a full show, guys, and it's a beautiful day in Colorado. Sunshine, and it's a nice day to be outside. And uh, if you're going to be stuck inside, you might as well be talking outdoor stuff, and that's kind of where we're at right now. And, you know, we have options as outdoorsmen. Uh, it's hunting season. It's fishing season. Uh, kind of all of the above right now, and it's a fantastic time to be a sportsman here in Colorado. And one of my favorite sportsmen, uh, been a guide with us at Fishful Thinker, for many years now, kind of a kind of a walleye. Started off as a walleye guy, moved on to multi-species stuff over the years, and uh, one of my favorite dudes to travel with. But most importantly, one of the leading experts in electronics in the United States, particularly when it comes to Lawrence uh, Lawrence Electronics, and that's Mr. Dan Swanson. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Chad. How are you? Well, I'm fantastic. It's a beautiful day. Kind of wish I was outside, but a couple hours in the studio here do me some good. Yeah, probably will. You've been you were outside all last week anyway. Uh yeah, that's a good point. A little warmer <laughs> there too. Although hard to complain about today. But you know, um, there are a few people in, in the country that know more about uh, sonar, GPS, downscan, structure scan, point one, all these big words that they get thrown around when it comes to fishing electronics. And really, I think you'll agree with me that this time of year, the, the, those of us that are still hitting the reservoirs and still hitting the lakes, uh, particularly after the walleyes and, and you know, and some of the bigger reservoirs, uh, you're dealing with suspended fish and that gives some people fits but it's an electronics game it's video game fishing um now's the time of year to be fishing with your electronics don't you think absolutely this is actually one of my favorite times to fish is when the water starts to cool and the shad most of our lakes here are are shad based impoundments that's the primary forage for most of our our walleyes and bass and even the and even the trout and so i enjoy the fact that the colder water is going to shock those fish. It's going to cause the the, the shad to, to start to fall. And the walleyes and, and such are focused on those falling bait fish. And I'm looking for places where I can where I can take advantage of what's what's going on with the lake. And that's where I'm using my electronics. So, uh, with with Lawrence, I can I can download the CMAP Genesis maps for all of the front range lakes and I'm able to go out and look for those key spots, whether it's a hump or a drop-off or something like that, and then drive around the lake scanning, looking for bait fish and looking for fish along with them. 
Well, now, real quick, let me back up a step. You just said you can download maps for some of the Front Range lakes. Tell us more about that, because that's a question I know you get a lot. I get it all the time. Um, what's How do folks go about that? If you if you happen to own a Lowrance Elite or, or Hook or HDS sonar, you can have maps displayed right on your screen with your on your GPS plotter. And if you go to the Lawrence's website and look at mapping, it'll take you to a, an area called CMAP Genesis. And there are what we call social maps. And what those are is people have been, they go out fishing, they record data onto a, onto a little chip. And at the end of the day, they upload that information to Lawrence. Lawrence takes all that information, adds it all together, and then creates a map. It's called a social map. So with the number of people that fish lakes like Cherry Creek and Chatfield and Pueblo, and Horsetooth Boyd, those lakes are getting a lot of data loaded on there, and that we're able to create some really good underwater maps of, or, you know, one-foot contours for for the lakes that we have available. Um, in in Colorado, you you were unable to get those maps until social mapping came along. Yeah, now I've played with it a bunch. I know you're you're not nearly what you have, but I've looked around and a lot of really relatively even obscure lakes have a significant amount of mapping there and folks can help themselves out by getting involved with that and uploading their own social maps and build their own maps of their own lakes or take advantage of those that have been done by other people so that's a pretty neat deal but the problem we're having right now dan is it might not look like it today because it's nice out but this concept of chase you know using a a social map and then finding bait in open water and and hopefully predator fish like walleyes and, and and bass with them that's all great but pretty soon not too long from now anyway we're gonna have ice and when we get ice in my opinion ice is probably even more electronics focused than uh than open water fishing and then the other side of the equation too is we've got a lot of the lakes that are going to start closing down because of ans inspections and things like that but uh, their kayak guys are still going to be out there. So it's kind of a twofold question I have for you, Dan. But a guy that maybe wants a portable electronic device or has one on his kayak or wants to get one that he can move from, maybe he's going to get one this year for ice fishing that he wants to be able to put on his, his boat in spring, what kind of options, what kind of advice would you give people for that? If you already have one and you already have one that's got a GPS built onto it, you can download those maps and you can take that same unit and move it out onto the ice. And the beauty of having the maps is the to be able to find that weed edge or that that you marked your you know you got waypoints in there that you that you've marked on the open water. Um, you've got the map that shows you where the drop off is. It shows you where the structure is, right? So you can take the same unit you've got on your kayak and or on your boat and take it out on the ice. There are portable options to convert that unit into a portable unit. You can buy a pre-packaged ice pack available from Lawrence, which has an ice transducer, a power cable, a battery, and a nice carrying case. Or you can go off and do it yourself by taking, you know, you can go buy a battery, go buy a six-pack cooler. I think that's, one, you know, a hard side six-pack cooler. And a and you can either use an ice transducer or figure out a way to rig a regular transducer to it. And you can take that out onto the ice. Um, you can use your electronics. If you like the flasher, you can split screen it into a flasher mode. Um, I just use it in the traditional mode because, to me, the fish don't get any faster on the ice than they do on open water, and I'm used to seeing it a certain way. And I can I can use my 
fish finder that's on my boat, take it right on the ice. Just all I need is just to make it portable. Well, okay, so let me let me ask you this. You, you said, uh, you know, I can take it right off my boat. Well, let's say I have a skimmer transducer on my boat that's mounted on the transom of my boat, or maybe I mounted it in my kayak somehow. I can take that same transducer, and, and it'll work on the ice? Absolutely, the same transducer will work. I mean, I would... If it's if it's hard rigged to your boat, you're not going to want to unscrew it and carry it with you. Just go buy another transducer. But it would work if you needed to do it, or you could buy the same transducer Absolutely. after the fact and plug it in and go that route. Yep. Yeah. The only difference between the transducer that's mounted on the back of your boat and a nice transducer is just the shape of the plastic that they put it in. The ice transducer is a is a cylinder that has a weight on it and has a float. So that way you can lower it down through the hole in the ice and it'll be at the at the water, the, you know, the level below the ice and you'll be able to see below the ice, not have to see reflections off the side of the of the hole. Um, the, the transducer that's in there is identical to the, the one that's shaped for going fast through the water that's on the back of your boat. So it's just a hydrodynamic thing that they make it pointy and call it a skimmer. Absolutely, yeah. Got it. High speed transducer. Now, there's also this this uh, kind of what I call, or I think you call more than me, an old school concept that um, that a flasher, which gives you a much reduced uh, amount of information, is more responsive than a LCD screen. Um, tell me about that. We've got about a minute and a half, two minutes. Tell me about that. Okay, um, the flashers are give you just the information that's happening right now right so you can see what's going on at this instant um so that's really the advantage to a flasher that a lot of people have with a with a traditional sonar you get the history that goes along with it if you look at the far right side of the screen you're getting an instantaneous display over there as well so so either one will work just fine uh, the traditional sonars back 10 years ago didn't work so well on the ice they, they got slow and it got cold um, they, the, the screens didn't look right. They would, they just didn't work well with the technology we have today. They work great in cold weather. So would you suggest that someone turns their scroll speed up, um, to maybe keep that moving quicker? So they're getting a little bit better idea of what's going on. That's one way of doing it. The other way is that they, there's a, an instantaneous display that you can turn on, on, on the right side, um, with Lorance, uh, there's a, a setting that will allow you to see basically what it is is a, a flasher, but it's it's uh, it's uh, instead of being in a circle, it's a straight line. Gotcha. That sounds pretty slick, and uh, and I think it's a good idea. Now, if a guy's going to go buy one specific, let's say let's say that I, I don't have a big fancy Ranger boat like you and I, maybe I have a kayak or some sort of a small boat, and I want to go buy a unit that I'm going to intentionally use for ice, and I'm going to use it for my uh, my kayak. Let's say, what would be a good choice? What's a good basic Lawrence unit that will do both of those that somebody might consider buying? I would look at look at the Hook 4 and the one with the GPS and you can buy it as a portable pack or an ice pack or you can just buy it for your kayak and then figure out a way to make it portable for the ice. All right. Well, that sounds like a good good situation for people. I think, uh, you know, the, the electronics are a game changer. I was just down in Florida dealing with a guy who was learning his electronics a little bit, and it was fun to watch his face light up when I showed him some of the new stuff. And I think a lot of people underestimate what, what their electronics can do for them, and it's not necessarily always a fish finder. It may be structure, maybe bottom content. There's no telling, but a bunch of stuff that, uh, that you can learn, thermoclines, water temperatures, marking spots, you know, uh, the whole nine yards. Am I fishing over mud or am I fishing over rock? There's just so much information that they can they can provide you these days. So Dan, we got a minute and a half. Um, 
I'm going to ask everybody this whole show this, because next week is Black Friday, the biggest shopping day of the year. I'm asking every guest the whole show today if you could get one gift or one uh, thing related to your segment for somebody on your list. If people are out there looking for gift ideas for the fishermen on their list, um, you got about a minute. What uh, what would we get them? What would your okay, suggestion? We've already, ta- we've already talked about some of it, but the one other thing I would add is if you're a shore angler, the thing that or you know a shore angler, something to think about is a castable fish finder. Lorance makes a product called a, it's called a fish hunter. It uses your smartphone for a display, so you can you can cast this thing out over the out in 20 feet away, and it'll show you the fish that are underneath it. If you reel it back slowly, it'll actually map the area that you're that you're fishing, and you'll be able to see where the humps and drop offs are. So something like that would be something I would look at. Very, very good. Dan, I appreciate it very much. If folks want to get a hold of you, they'll, I'll let them know they can email you at dan at fishfulthinker.com. We're starting to book guide trips for next year. Dan, I appreciate you taking the time to give us a call this morning. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks a lot. That's Dan Swanson, one of the leading uh, guys when it comes to electronics, one of the smartest guys I know all the way around and a great guy to fish with. He can be booked at dan at fishfulthinker.com. In the meantime, we're going to step aside and take a quick break here. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Honey Smoked Fish Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. All right, welcome back to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3. The fan, I'm Chad Lachance, filling in for Terry Wickstrom, and we are going to go right to the phones for the Colorado Parks and Wildlife segment. We're going to be joined right now by Joe Lewandowski, the public information specialist. And Joe, word has it you want to talk about bears. Yeah, Chad, I uh, just want to say I'm down here in Durango. We've got a beautiful morning down here, a little bit of snow up in the mountains, and uh, our local ski area has opened up, so everything's in place and firing up for winter, including the bears. Well, it's hard so, to picture winter at this point when it's really beautiful and warm here, but I know it's coming, and you and I talked a little bit ahead of this show here, and uh, and while I know there's still some bears out and about in Colorado, having seen a couple of them recently, for the most part, they're going into hibernation, and I think people underestimate bears. They've kind of gotten some bad press lately. What do you want folks to know? Well, you know, the thing about bears is, yeah, they can be a pain, especially if they're getting into your trash and stuff, but it's just kind of, they're, they're really amazing critters. And, uh, as I've, I've learned more about them working for the, working for parks and wildlife here and just wanted to let people know just a little bit, uh, you know, how they, how they survive, how they make it through the winter. And, and, uh, it's really kind of a fascinating story. All right. Well, um, I know the basic people really understand is probably that, okay, they sleep in the winter and they eat during the summer, but there's more to it than that. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's a pretty good summation. But anyway, yeah, usually they go into uh, hibernation um, about, you know, this time of year from really from about mid-October. Basically, they kind of run out of natural food. And so when they run out of natural food, they go into, uh, you know, they start finding dens and they, and they den up. And, um, and the females especially are interesting because, uh, you know, they mate during the summer, and, um, but that fertilized egg just kind of floats around in their, in their uterus until their body tells them that they have enough 
uh, fat stores to get them through the winter or they don't have enough fat stores. And, and obviously when there's, uh, you know, a good food year, a lot of natural food, um, they'll do okay. And um, if, if they don't have enough fat stores to get them and, um, and newborns through the, through the winter, that uh, ovum will be expelled and they'll, you know, they'll live to, to, to mate another year. But when they're in that state, um, their heart rate will go down to 10 beats per minute um, and they will lose 30 to 40 percent of their body weight. And, you know, they don't even take a poop for five months. And, um, you know, I've, I've been inside of bear dens during the wintertime and, and people have asked me, geez, it must smell terrible in there. And, and actually, it, it doesn't smell anything except like, like the dirt that they're sleeping in. Um, and, um, and so then they give birth. Usually they, they'll give birth around January and, and um, they will emerge and move around a little bit. But they're in this long state uh, where they're taking care of their young. They they're kind of sleeping. The babies are crawling all over them and and uh, and feeding. Um, and um, and then they wander. Usually, kind of move out of the out of the den uh, uh, as it starts to warm up a little bit in February. They'll wander out a little bit, uh, but they'll really stay in there till about the first of May. Uh, usually, but it's it's just such a incredible survival story, um, and um, I think a lot of people don't understand what it takes. Uh, you know, they never get to go inside, they never get to warm up. Uh, uh, they just live out there all the time, and and it's uh, really a wondrous natural story that that they live. Well, a couple things jumped out of me from what you said right there. Um, so if they're not going to eat for, say, six months, five months out of the year, they've got to eat 12 months' worth in the summer. And uh, and that's kind of where they get their reputation for, you know, caloric intake, let's just say. Uh, they exactly. de- definitely have a sweet tooth, looking for the most amount of calories they can get in a short period of time. And I know that bears have a propensity for, for sweet stuff a lot, uh, as opposed to carrion or something like that. Uh, they have a propensity for fresh food. Uh, I think they eat a lot more greens, a lot more uh, berries, uh, you know, fruit that they can get, anything like that, if at all possible, if it's available to them, that's something they'll eat a lot of. But unfortunately, that also makes them uh, one that wants to attract to, say, hummingbird feeders or bird feeders in general. Do you have any idea how many calories they eat during the day and summer? Well, as they, you know, they start ramping up their, their feeding in, in May as, you know, they, like you said, they get green plants start coming up. And then uh, usually around end of July and uh, in, um, uh, through August and September, they're eating 20,000 calories a day. They're basically eating nonstop. And, and that helps them put on that fat that they need to go into the winter. Uh, sometimes they don't get enough food and, and they will starve to death, but that's just kind of nature's way of, you know, thinning out the herd, so to speak. Um, and um, they really do prefer natural food sources uh, if it's available. Um, acorns, uh, berries, uh, uh, insects, uh, you know, they will... Uh, prey on on small animals, um, but they most of their diet is vegetarian. Um, and um, but you know they'll stop when, when as the food sources, natural food sources, decline. 
um, they'll stop, uh, they'll stop eating. So, um, they kind of, you know, it's just an amazing adjustment story that, that they can make to be able to live without eating for like say five or six months a year. Well, they're, they're fascinating animals. I happen to live by Horsetooth Reservoir, which is an area that's got lots and lots of service berry bushes. And, yep. uh, and we have watched bears for an hour at a time just completely plunder, uh, you know, a house-sized service berry shrub, you know, a, a shrub that wouldn't fit in my garage with 10,000 berries on the thing, and they'll strip the whole thing clean in an hour. And uh, it's pretty impressive to watch them. Um, they're neat creatures. For sure, they demand respect. And, uh, and that in, in here in Colorado, we have a, a major abundance of bears probably more bears than we would like to see. I know a CPW has spent a long time trying to get bear numbers down a little bit, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But, Joe, uh, the time has flown by, so I appreciate that. Uh, quickly, if someone wants some more information on bears, where would they get it? They can go to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife website and look for Living with Bears and, you know, Google Bears if you want a lot more information. All right, Joe, I appreciate that. That's uh, very nice of you to call in this morning on a beautiful Saturday morning. So enjoy the rest of your time in Durango. Thank you. Have fun. Oh, you bet. That's Joe Lewandowski. He's a public information specialist from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Bears are something, folks, that we, we don't need to take lightly. Uh, but the flip side is they're not near the, the major predators that I think people make them out to be. A uh, little common sense. Keep your trash. Keep your bird food away, especially this time of year. Let them go to sleep. That's probably the best answer. So with that, the segment's coming gone here in just a minute. We'll be talking about Fresh Air Friday, but before that, we've got to take a break. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3, The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. I don't take my You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. All right, welcome back to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. I'm Chad Lachance filling in for Terry Wickstrom, and we do have a full show, so I am not going to take any more more of your time. We're going to go right back to the phone with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife second segment, and we're going to be joined by Miss Rebecca Farrow. Good morning, Rebecca. Hello, Chad. How are you? Well, I'm fantastic. It's a beautiful fall day here in Colorado. We're going into holiday season, but it sure doesn't look like it out the window of the radio studios here right now. I've got gorgeous blue skies myself. Can't wait to get out there and get out under them. Right. A little bit of fresh air might be good on this Saturday. But I know that um, that you've got a full plate of stuff you want to talk about. Now, you're a communication specialist with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, so you're well tuned in to what's going on. And I understand that, uh, that this coming Black Friday, you're one to turn it into more blue sky or fresh air Friday. That is absolutely correct. So, Fortunately, you know, we live in a place that has the most amazing natural gifts I can think of. And so while Black Friday is traditionally a time where people are talking about buying presents, we really think it's more important to get together with your family and your friends and be present with each other and spend some time outside and celebrate with Fresh Air Friday instead of Black Friday. Well, I like the sound of Fresh Air Friday a lot better, but keep in mind you're talking to a guy who pretty much lives, eats, and breathes outdoors. So uh, I think a lot of folks, uh, they don't realize the value of of really being outside, enjoying it, maybe stepping away from your phone a little bit, certainly stepping away from traffic and noise and going for a walk or any number of other things outside. And it seems like a big push these days to kind of get kids away from their video games for a little bit. And uh, the old go play outside seems seems to have gone away and we need to get back to that. 
Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that we're really encouraging people to do on Fresh Air Friday is to get outside in ways that are big or small. So there's really no wrong way to celebrate in our world. We're the same. We love being outside and we want people in Colorado, whether they're transplants or kids, to really have that same feeling of joy and energy of being outside. And so whether you're exploring a state park or maybe going out fly fishing, there's still some great fishing this time of year for our anglers, or even just getting the kids outside to maybe play some flag football with their friends friends, um, spending time outside really can make a huge difference from both a mental and physical health perspective. Um, there's studies out there um, with our friends at Great Outdoors Colorado yesterday, and, and we were talking about some of these studies that say just being outside in general, seeing the green space and seeing the water can help improve people's ability to focus, uh, decrease fatigue, uh, lower stress, and even help improve short-term memory. So getting outside is super important. And, of course, it's our goal to get people from very little all the way up through getting up in age to get outside and, and really take advantage of what we have here in Colorado. Well, yeah, and the diversity that we have available to us, especially this time of year, is is one of the one of the great things. I mean, yeah, you can go on a giant elk hunting adventure, uh, you know, or something like that. Uh, like you said, you can go do some fly fishing or whatever. But there's a whole lot of paddle boarding and kayaking still available. I mean, we're going to be seventy degrees tomorrow, sixty five degrees tomorrow, uh, you know, at least up north. And so, you know, that's certainly ample opportunity to get out and get on a kayak or anything else. I know last year on Black Friday, I personally went kayaking. <laughs> and uh, and I do believe that folks should do that. Um, but besides just wanting people to get outside, I know you've got uh, some some free access to the state parks. Is a little bit of incentive. We do. So again, we're we're super excited that we're able to partner with Great Outdoors Colorado. And this year is our third year running where we're able to offer free access to all 41 of our Colorado state parks on the day after Thanksgiving. So, you know, we encourage family-friendly activities and getting out with your friends all year long. But we're very happy that this year, again, we can provide that free access to all 41 of our parks. Did you know that 37 of those parks have fishing opportunities? <laughs> I certainly did. <laughs> just a little tidbit there. But beyond beyond just free access to the parks, um, you've also, some of the parks, I think you said eight of them, have some specific uh, things going on. Now, we, we did the, the Colorado Adventure Expo, oh, I guess a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, it picked up that 100 things to do outdoors. Uh, I think by the time you're 12 or something, it was what, is, what they titled it. But they had a whole list of things for people to go do. And you've got uh, eight of the parks got something along those lines going on. Why don't you tell us about that? We do. So eight of our parks, we have at least one in sort of every quadrant of the state, are participating in what we're calling our Fresh Air Friday Photo Scavenger Hunt. So working again with GoCo and their Generation Wild 100 Things to Do list, uh, we grabbed some just sort of fun ways that you can kind of hop around a park uh, that's participating in this event, take some cool photos, and check in with our volunteers or rangers at the park to get some cool prizes. And so um, I personally spent some time packing up prizes yesterday. There's some really cool stuff that I wish I could have slipped in my own bag. Um, But we have really cool prizes and just the opportunity to get outside and and maybe explore a new park. You know, we have eight parks and I'll rattle them off here. Bar Lake State Park, 11 Mile, Mancus, North Sterling, State Forest, Steamboat Lake, Trinidad Lake, and Yampa River uh, are all participating in this event. So maybe it's a good time. You've got some time off. You've got family in town. Take them to someplace new. Um, and so they are participating with this uh, photo hunt. There's big prizes, everything from free subscriptions to our Colorado Outdoors magazine, really cool parks and wildlife gear. We have some awesome canvas duffel bags that are being given away at each park. And we have some grand prizes as well. So uh, we, par- we encourage people to get out there, take their photos, and this is something, you know, 
know, you can do with kids. You know, we're also very aware that there's a there's a selfie generation. And so there's some fun things that you can do, even if you're just having a Friendsgiving, you know, grab your friends, head over to one of the parks, get some free swag and, and enter for a raffle for some other cool, bigger prizes. Well, and that list of parks is really a, a pretty comprehensive list that Fishful Thinker Television, which I host, we've filmed at uh, all but two of those parks. Some of my favorites in the state, State Forest State Park, Steamboat Lake, beautiful, beautiful place. Yamper River, beautiful place. Trinidad, way down south. A lot of folks maybe not familiar with it, but a really, really pretty place and all great places to fish. So uh, pretty neat opportunity folks have uh, to get out and try some of those parks. Such a diversity of state parks. We've been touring around the state now for the last two year, year and a half, visiting as many of them, uh, all, all 37 that you can fish at. And I can tell you that there's a, there's a serious diversity of, of, of angling opportunities and, and, and landscape, geography, the whole nine yards. Just really, really pretty neat. Now, uh, I'm asking every guest here, uh, as we go down through the show, I need one gift idea for the outdoors person on your list. And so it is It is Black Friday. I know we want to get people outside, but Christmas isn't going to go away. So, <laughs> uh, so Miss Farrell, uh, give us some idea. What would be your gift idea for the outdoorsman on your list? Well, there's a couple of things, actually. So if you happen to get out and about to one of our state parks on Black Friday, you don't have to forego shopping. We have some great gift ideas in all of our visitor centers um, for everything from cookbooks to maps to to T-shirts and sweatshirts. So if you're out and about, that's a great opportunity. But if you happen to be home or doing one of those sort of backyard activities, hitting a local open space or playing with the kids just outside, um, you can always hop on our website. We have not only gift certificates that cover everything from your fishing licenses to admission to a state park, but we also have a really great magazine. I mentioned it earlier. Colorado Outdoors Magazine has been the conservation magazine for Colorado for over 75 years. And for just $13, you get six issues, uh, one every other month, as well as a fishing guide and a hunting guide. And it's only 13 bucks. And that's a great opportunity for folks, whether they're, you know, more on, on the hiking side and state park attendees to your hunters and, and anglers. Everybody can find something great in the beautiful photos and awesome content that we have in our Colorado outdoors magazine well there you go and you hit on it the beautiful photos uh the photo issue is one of my favorites every year it's uh absolutely beautiful great photography in there and uh good you know buying uh, buying the gift of an experience is uh is a great thing for people so rebecca i really appreciate you taking time to call in on a beautiful saturday morning great ideas great information folks can go to the colorado parks and wildlife website and and google fresh air friday or uh or search fresh air friday they'll get all of the information on that that they need to do that and uh i wanted to appreciate uh appreciate you taking taking time to call in. Hopefully you're going to get out and enjoy the day. I will. Thank you so much, Chad. All right. Thank you. That's Rebecca Farrell, Colorado Parks and Wildlife Communications Specialist and uh, very enthusiastic lady. And uh, I think she's got some great ideas, guys. So uh, with that, we're going to step aside and take a quick break. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, Presented in part by Honey Smoked Fish Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. All right, welcome back to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. I'm Chad Lachance filling in, and you could tell because that's an Eagles song, and if Terry was sitting here, he'd want that to play for a little bit longer. But we're going to skip you right there. It's time for the Tackle Talk segment of our show. It's time now for Terry's Tackle Tip of the Week. 
All right. Well, since we don't have Terry today, we're going to do Chad's Tackle Tip of the Week. And if you're uh, familiar at all with uh, with me, Chad Lachance, here, I'm guest hosting for Terry Wickstrom. I am the host of Fishful Thinker Television, and that's not completely relevant. But what is relevant is I'm a pro staffer for Abu Garcia, and I have been for a very long time, and also a product tester for Abu Garcia, meaning that a year before stuff shows up on the shelves in a sportsman's warehouse or wherever, I've been fishing with it. I've been sending information back to Abu Garcia and letting letting them know what I think, myself and about 400 other people around the country, uh, let them know what we like, what we don't like, what works, what doesn't work, and things like that. And one of the premier products that I've tested uh, through all the generations of them so far has been the Revo line of reels. Now, that's both spinning reels and casting reels. And so going back, I think, five, maybe five or six years now, I've been testing pretty much uh, the the bulk of the Revos that come out. And uh, one that I'm excited about we want to talk about here on the Tackle Talk has been the Revo X line. It's the newest line from the Revos. Um, it basically fills the niche at the at the price point that most folks can can afford. Most at least reasonably advanced anglers can afford, yet bring all the performance that we get out of the you know the more famous uh, Big Brothers or certainly more expensive Big Brothers in the Revo lineup. So Revo X is available in uh, in both the spinning reel and the casting reel, and and that's important because of the variety of you know angling opportunities out there i know as a fishing guide uh, the vast majority of you don't use casting tackle but one of the things we do at fishful thinker on guide trips often is teach people to use casting tackle and a common email question we get is also i want to get a casting reel you know a level wine reel like you see on on bass fishing shows on tv what do i need to look for in that reel what how do i choose one how do i spend my money what gear ratios do i need all of that kind of thing comes into play and it's a question we get very commonly. So I thought we'd take this tackle talk and address some of those specific things. So the Revo X, a couple key things about it. It has the same carbon matrix drag. It has the, the same HPCR bearings, which are the high-performance bearings that are in the entire Revo line from all the way from the $500 reels all the way down to the $100 reels. And so that's important because it shares the same expensive components with the uh, higher-end stuff. It's got the rocket line management system, which basically means it's set up to fish with all different types of fishing lines. So some folks fish with monofilament, some folks fish with fluorocarbon, some folks like braided line, and some people like myself go back and forth between all of the above. Well, with the rocket line management system and the rocket spool design that they've put on this Revo X spinning reel, it's set up already to do all of the above. Any of you that have ever fished with braid, you know what happens if you tie braid to a smooth spool without some sort of backing or something like that. The braid won't grip the spool, and therefore you'll have problems when you try to try to land a fish. Well, Revo X has a textured spool that braid doesn't require any backing under. You can tie your braid with an arbor knot straight to the spool and, uh, and then wind it on, and you're good to go, which is a nice thing because you don't have to have the extra step of putting the backing underneath there. The other thing about it is it has a very slow oscillation, meaning the spool bobs up and down very slow, slower than probably what you're used to with most of your reels. What that does for you as an angler is that ensures that your line lays back and forth in a crisscross pattern to some degree on that spool. That's important because it keeps braid from digging into itself. It keeps line from looping as bad. It basically just gives you very smooth and even lay of the line on the spool, and that will help you a whole bunch in maintaining slack and keeping you know twists and things like 
that out of your scenario. So the Revo X spinning reels available in four sizes rated from six pound test to, to basically up from there, um, you know, to whatever you might need. They're somewhere between seven and a half and nine ounces each. They retrieve, depending on the reel, the smallest one retrieves 30 inches of line every time you turn the handle. That's the smallest one. So if you go up from there to the biggest version, the 40 series, you're going to literally pick up 40 inches of line per turn. So every time you run that handle around, you're going to take in more than three feet of line. And what that does is allows you to get tight on fish. It'll, it, you know, when they bite on slack line, it allows you to control fish that run towards the boat. Uh, one of the key things that a lot of people don't think about is it gives you the opportunity to control slack line in running water. Let's say I'm working a jig in a river. If I throw that jig upstream, now I have to not only keep track of my jig, but I've got to do that faster than the water is coming downstream. So having a really fast reel will, will give me an advantage in that regard as well. And then like I've already mentioned, when a fish bites that thing on slack line and we get a high percentage of our bites when we're, when we're jigging or using a jigging spoon or a blade bait, uh, a lot of times even with, with uh, jerk baits where they're just hanging slack. The slack line bites are hard to detect, and by the time you do detect them, fish will potentially have spit out whatever it is that you're casting. So it's important to be able to get tight on those fish in a hurry. So the the Revo X spinning reel, um, it's fast enough to do that. It's a lightweight reel. Of course, it's reversible left to left to right, and like I said, available in uh, in four sizes. And my testing, the reel's been great. Feels good in hand. It's got a big PVC knob on it. It's easy to hold on to. It's got a graphite rotor, so it doesn't wobble. While while you're while you're running the reel, you know while you're running the the uh, road around and round while you're reeling it in. So it's a really neat reel. Now changing gears a little bit, like I said earlier, one of the common questions we get is, I, I finally want to do like I've seen the the bass guys on TV. I want that casting reel. Most people are not even sure why they want a casting reel. They just do. And the reason I say that is because that's the email I get. The first thing I send back is, well, well, what is it you're hoping to do with the reel? Why do you want a casting reel? Well, here's why you want a casting reel. Casting reels are much more efficient than spinning reels in terms of the speed that I can make casts. The reason being, it's a one-handed tool. The same hand controls the bail, the slack line, and everything about the reel. So your other hand doesn't, you don't have to reel it to a certain point, flip a bail, hold your line, all of that. It's all one smooth, even motion. So it's very quick. Second of all, line twist is never an issue with a casting reel because the line is not turned at a 90-degree angle. The line comes straight onto the spool as it would a winch on the front of a truck. That should also give you uh, some hint as to how much more powerful they are. Because the line doesn't have to bend around a line roller 90 degrees and then wrap around a spool, the reel itself is just a generally more powerful design. So if you need a strong reel, a casting reel is the way to go in that regard. Now, some of you are going to jump out and say, oh, geez, I tried once. I got a backlash. Well, couple things about the Revo X are going to help you uh, not have that backlash system. It's got both a high speed and low speed brake on it so that you can control the cast from both sides of the reel. That's very important. Having said that, you still need to learn how to use your thumb to control the line coming off the spool. And truthfully, that's also part of the fun once you learn how to do it. The biggest quick piece of advice I'll tell people is don't over tighten the reel. As soon as you start overpowering uh, backlashes by using the braking system on the reel that forces you to cast harder to gain any distance and it also pulls all your casts to the left you will hook everything you throw if you've got the the magnets cranked down on the reel too much 
Let the reel run a little bit looser. Learn to use your thumb. Here's my tidbit. Pull out one cast length's worth of line. Set the rod down on the ground. Pull out one cast length's worth of line. Walk back to the rod. Put a piece of electrical tape directly on the line. And then wind your line back in and do that before you practice learning how to cast with the reel. If you do that, you cannot possibly backlash the reel enough to give yourself a problem. So that's my tidbit on helping you learn how to uh, control the line coming off any casting reel. Now, back to the Revo X specifically. A couple things about it that I really like. It's got the brass gear, which is smooth and lasts forever. Uh, that brass worm gear is an important thing because of this, the smoothness that it provides. It's part of the D2 gear design. It's very efficient. It's something we've worked with for a long time. Similar with the carbon matrix drag, same as you see in the Revo X spinning reel. That hybrid drag system is extremely smooth, low startup inertia, uh, been a great drag system for us for many years. I'm glad they didn't redesign that with the Revo X. It's been a proven system. Uh, it's got a lube port, so you can easily maintain it. Uh, so it's not something you have to ship in, you know, to be maintained or anything like that. It's an aluminum frame, so it's very rigid and uh, and corrosion resistant, which is a nice thing as well. And the Dura clutch. The Dura clutch is basically the spool release. It's the bail, so to speak, from a spinning reel. That clutch design is very positive. It's either engaged or not engaged uh, and that has worked out really good the the Mac MagTrax brake system we already touched on a little bit, which is, you know, it's very durable, it's very adjustable, but still you're going to have to learn at least a little bit on your own uh, as far as controlling the reel. But like I said, that's part of the fun of it. The other thing about a casting reel uh, or the Revo X specific casting reel that I like about it is it's available in several gear ratios and gear ratios affect how fast the line comes into the reel. And so on a spinning reel, they change that with spool size. On a casting reel, they do that with the gearing similar to a transmission in your car. So it's available in uh, either left or right-handed models, which is good. And then it's available in a 6.6 gear ratio, a 7.3 gear ratio, and a 5.4. The lower that number, the slower the reel retrieves line. So in other words, a 5.4 is only going to pull in 22 inches every time the handle goes around, whereas the 6.6 is going to pull in 27, and the 7.3 will pull in 30 inches. So what that does is allow me to tailor my gear to my retrieve or to my resistance that my lures make it in the water in the same way I would with a truck. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to pull a trailer with a, in fourth gear and vice versa. So you can choose your gear system. So the Revo X, fantastic reel. Check them out, abugarciafishing-.com. And this has been Terry's Tackle Talk. With that, we're going to step aside, take a quick break. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3, The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Honey Smoked Fish Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire.